I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. And I'm going to read verse 18 through 20. It says, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant robe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? What I want to talk about tonight, you know, it's Valentine's Day this week and stuff. And, you know, the world's all about, you know, relationships. And, uh, you know, our world doesn't know a thing about relationships. Our world doesn't know a thing about love. They don't know a thing about a good marriage, anything like that. And they've just perverted everything, whether it be the physical relationship, whether it be love, whether it be marriage itself. It's been completely, completely perverted in this country. And as Christians, you know, we, we ought to know better. We've got the Bible. And what I want to talk about tonight, I'm just going to be honest, this isn't a subject I'm really comfortable preaching about, but there's a lot of Bible on it. And I think it's really, really important. And it might not even be a real comfortable subject to listen to, but I'm telling you, we need to know these things. And it's in the Bible, it's all over in the Bible, and so it ought to be preached. And I don't want to do it, but I feel like the Lord wants me to. And I want to talk about the importance of the physical relationship in marriage. I think this is a very important thing that people need to understand. And so a healthy physical relationship and it, it's very important for several reasons. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. And I, I really do want to be a help in this area. I think that uh, said it's. I hate seeing marriages fall apart. I hate seeing perversion. I hate seeing unhappiness. And it, it's sad. The, and this kind of stuff, we, you need to, we need to understand this. You know what? You know, I know we've got kids and stuff in here, but they need, as parents, we need to... Uh, there's some things we need to teach our kids and prepare them for. And there's things we need to shield them from. And if you're letting them watch all the junk on television, they're going to get a perverted idea of what love is and what uh, things are all about in their mind. And you better watch that stuff. And you better pay attention to... Uh, you better teach them some of these things. They're very important. But Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Jump down to verse 22. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So notice how God said, I'm going to make him and help meet for him, something that is suitable for him, something that's convenient. I'm going, to, I'm going to make something that is specifically for this man. And a woman is something that God made specifically for a man. Your wife, she is something that was made for you as a man. And God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make something. I'm going to make something that's meat. I'm going to make something specifically for him, something that is designed for him, and a woman was designed for a man. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be creepy or anything, but I think God did a good job. I think, I think, you know, God clearly knows what He's doing, and He did a good job, and that's why I will never understand, and I will never even try to understand homosexuality. I will never, I will never understand that. It doesn't make any sense at all. It just doesn't work. It doesn't make biological sense, scientific sense, common sense. 
It makes no sense at all. You know what it is? It's just perversion is all it is. It's perversion. It goes against nature. And we see here in the story, notice, and this is, you know, it says they weren't ashamed. So they were naked and they were not ashamed. Now I know part of that was innocence. They, they didn't know good and evil at that time. But I also think part of the reason was because they were one flesh. Okay. Listen, you know, when we're, you know, we're not embarrassed when we're in the shower. Okay. It's, it's just me, right? It's just us. You're not embarrassed by that stuff. And a husband and wife, they don't need to be embarrassed with each other because they're one flesh. That's how God sees you. And that's how God made it. And God made us to want each other. We read those verses in Proverbs chapter 5, verses 18 through 20 about, you know, being ravished with their love. And we ought, we ought to, uh, we ought to love each other. We ought to be, uh, you know, it's good to be attracted to each other. It's normal. It's how God made us. You know, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of thy youth. It's okay to enjoy each other and to have fun with each other and to just be overcome with each other. You know, to be ravished. It means just be enraptured, to be all caught up in each other. Let her be as a loving hind in a pleasant row. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou always ravished with her love. Talking about the wife of your youth. But our world today, you know, they're all about the strange woman. You know, they don't want, guy doesn't want to just settle down and get married to one woman. You know, he just wants to do his thing with whatever. And it says, why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Why would you do that? Okay, and this is a father speaking to a son, somebody who you know, married strange women. And he understood that there's only misery that comes from that. And he's trying to teach his son, rejoice with the wife of your youth. Your first wife. You only need one wife. Now, this father was not a good example. Solomon was a terrible example in that with his 700 wives. And with those, you know, the wives that were from other countries that served other gods that turned his heart away from God and it brought him misery. It brought him nothing but trouble. And he's warning his son about embracing a strange woman. She's not going to bring you happiness. And our world, you know, we're being, we're being perverted on these things. People are watching all the TV shows. They watch all the movies with the guys that are always fooling around with whoever. And they make it seem like it's great. But that is a lie. Hollywood is a lie. And it's, it's perverted. And it's messing with the minds of people. We need to teach our children that there is only one person out there for them. You better find that one person. You better stay pure for that person. And love only that person, and you you don't do anything physical until they make a commitment, till they're ready to put a ring on your finger, until they say I do. Hands off. That's what we've got to teach them, and that is not being taught today. I mean, you watch kids shows. I mean, kids shows. You know, you got boyfriends and girlfriends on kids shows. You know, boy, little boys and girls kissing each other and stuff like that. That's a bunch of garbage. You don't want to be getting that. And your kid says, just, you know, constant breakup and getting with this person, getting with that person. And, you know, if your kids are in the public schools, they're just going to see this stuff too. I mean, all the kids constantly, you know, getting a new boyfriend, girlfriend, breaking up all the time. All that does is prepares them for divorce, preparing for heartbreak. And that is, that is not how things are supposed to be. That is not how God intended it. God teach, Bible teaches very clear. That, you know, that husband and wife, they are one flesh. When you come together physically, you are one flesh. And you do not go experimenting with people to decide if that's the one you want. That is not how 
these things work. That's, and God made us so to want each other, to want each other. We're going to have that desire for the opposite sex. When you're, you're boys, they're, they're going to hit a certain age and all of a sudden girls aren't gross to them anymore. Okay. That, you know, and th- this day and age too, a lot of people are excited when that happens because, you know, they're all afraid their kids are going to grow up and be a homo or something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, at the same time, you know, it, it is, it's completely natural when that happens, but you've got to teach them. You know what? It's not like on TV. In real life, if you want to have a good marriage, if you want to actually be happy, if you want to have, be satisfied, you know what you do? You wait and you find that one that God has for you. You keep your hands off each other until you get married and then have fun. And you know what? God wants us as married people to have fun. And so He made us to have this attraction for each other. He made us to have that desire for the opposite sex. And He made it, it was something that He made for married people. Okay? Now, yes, people who are not married are going, you know, they, there's going to be physical attraction there, but we've got to learn to overcome those things. We've got to learn to actually tell ourselves no to some stuff and not just give our stinking flesh everything at once. And we need to understand that even though we have a desire to do some things, we ought to have enough wisdom to know that these things don't bring satisfaction. Okay? For example, do we not often have the desire to lose our temper? Do we not often have the desire to maybe punch somebody in the nose? And how many of us have ever given in to that temptation, given in to that desire, to, we've given in to the anger, and it felt good at the moment, but we regretted it greatly later? I wonder how many people are sitting in prison today that felt great while they were murdering that person that they were enraged at, but now they're paying the consequences for the rest of their life. And that's how it is when even when it comes to that attraction to the opposite sex, we've got to understand that if there is an attraction and it's anything outside of marriage, that we've got to overcome that. We've got to control that and not do anything about it because while you might have a little bit of pleasure for a short time, there's a whole lot of misery that's going to come later because we gave into that and we've got to understand that, you know what, that is a no-no. And our world today says it's okay. Our world today says it's fine. They act like it's normal. We've got some of these weirdos out there in Hollywood and places like that that act like, you know, monogamy is, you know, ridiculous and monogamy is unnatural and things like that. But no, monogamy is the only way you're ever going to find real happiness. The only way you're ever going to find real fulfillment. And your proof of that is all the people in Hollywood that do just whatever they want that fool around with whoever they want. Often they're the ones that turn into the homos. Why is that? Because they just they get perverted. They just never they never can find satisfaction. They get whatever they want and they end up going off into the vile affections. And we've got to understand that that attraction that is biological, that is real, that is natural, God put that in us so as husbands and wives we could enjoy each other and have an enjoyable marriage and enjoy each other. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 7. It says, And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say, She is my wife, lest said he, the men of the place, should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, 
looked out a window and saw and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, of surety, she is thy wife. And how saidst thou, she is my sister. And Isaac said unto him, because I said, lest I die for her. So that, notice how he said that he was sporting with his wife. That word sporting, you know, it means to, uh, the definition to laugh outright and merriment, you know, by implication to sport, uh, you know, just to play, make sport. Pretty much what they were doing is they're just, they're having fun. They're messing around with each other in a very flirtatious way that people who are physically attracted to each other would do. He looked and he saw the way they were acting with each other. He's like, that's not a brother and sister. Okay? Because brothers and sisters don't treat each other that way. That is completely unnatural. That, you know, what they were doing, you know, it would, you know, brothers and sisters wouldn't even think about doing that. Okay? But a husband and wife would. And he saw that interaction and he knew this wasn't what he was saying. These two are married. There's clearly some chemistry there. There's clearly a physical attraction there. And it was something, too, that was completely normal to him. He was able to look at that and he's like, yep, that's a husband and a wife right there. That is not a brother and a sister. Think about it. A brother and sister is male and female, right? But they're a brother and a sister. And then there's a husband and wife. They're male and female, right? But there's a huge difference in the behavior of a husband and a wife and a brother and a sister. And all these things are completely natural. And what a man would want to do with his wife, it would be completely unnatural with a sister. And he was able to look at this. A lost man is able to look at this and it's like, yeah, I can tell that, I can tell that they're married. I can tell that that is not a brother and sister. And so they're call it making sport. You know, it's like some men today, it's like they spend so much time watching sports, you know, they never actually get to sport. You know, it's like some guys today, they're more interested in just going to a ball game, you know, staying up late, watching, watching the ball game, and they, they ignore their wife. You know, back in the Bible days, you wonder why they had so many kids and things back then too. You know, the guys weren't able to sit around on TV watching sports all day. So when you can't watch sports or go play sports, you know, they would go sport with their wife. They would have fun with their wife. And that was normal. And that's exactly the way it should be. That is healthy. That is God put things in us to make it that way, because God's like, you know what? I want these two to be one flesh. I want them to come together and I want them to be together for life. And so if I'm going to do that, I got to find some way to make them want to be around each other all the time. I want human, I want the human race to go on. I want them to be fruitful and multiply. And so I've got to make a way for them to want to do that. And God put some things in us that made us want to do that. And that is 100% normal. And we, God wants us to enjoy it. And it is one of the great things about marriage. We ought to work, and I, I think you ought to work at getting good at what you do. And you ought to do what pleases the other. 1 Corinthians 7, 4. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Okay? You give them power over each other. That is that is normal. Now, this a lot of what I'm going to say would offend feminists so bad today. I mean, it would it would offend these snowflake millennial MGTOW types. I mean, this is going to offend them like crazy. But this is what the Bible teaches. Okay, the husband doesn't have power over his own body. Proof of that is I have a beard right now. Okay, I want to shave this thing. 
I'm, I'm sick of it. I don't even care for it that much. I got, I got, I just, I just don't like it. But I don't have power over my own body. You know, the wife, the wife likes it. And you know what? It's what, you know, when the wife's happy, you know, husband's happy too. So, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the beard around. All right. She tells me to shave it. I'll shave it. All right. And, uh, but in the meantime, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. As a wife, you ought to try to please your husband and how you look. And same thing, the husband of the wife. Um, Esther 1.11 said to bring Vashti, the queen before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty for she was fair to look on. I would often mention how they were fair to look on. And that, you know, and I'm not saying this guy was right in what he was doing, but you know, he was proud of his wife and he's wanting to parade her around. Hey, look at how nice my wife looks. Okay? And guys, they like to have a wife that looks nice, okay? You don't need to go dressed up in old flower sacks and things like that, you know? And, you know, I, I personally, I haven't seen anything wrong with makeup. If your husband wants you to paint the barn, you know, paint the barn. If he doesn't want you to paint the barn, don't paint the barn, you know? Just, you know, you're trying to please the husband, okay? And as long as what you're doing pleases him, you know, and then I, I think you're fine. I think you're all good, you know? If he wants you to look like you're from the 1800s, you know, look like you're from the 1800s, you know, and you know, whatever, you know, you're trying to please him. And, you know, no guy wants to go out in public, you know, you know, no guy's proud of his wife when she's out in public, you know, in the sweatshirt and pajama pants and, you know, hair pulled back in a ponytail. This is pretty common in this day and age. You know, no, nobody's proud of it. Don't do that. All right. Don't, don't just give up and let yourself go. I'm not talking about being a supermodel and stuff like that. All right. That's, that's another unrealistic thing that the world is pushing on us. That's messing people's minds. And that's the problem with a lot of these MGTOW weirdos too. You know, it's like, because women don't stay looking like supermodels after they start having kids, you know, they, they think they're just these terrible things that just let themselves go. And it's like, no, you know, that's not, these supermodels are not normal. Okay, you know, most women, especially if they have kids, they don't have the time to devote their life to their looks and devote all their time to, you know, getting liposuction and, you know, Botox and all all these things that women do to try to look good, spending all their time in the gym and things like that. That is that is unnatural. Guys should not expect that. But at the same time. You don't have to look like you just crawled out of a cave, all right? Nobody's asking for a supermodel, but yeah, you know, you don't want to look like a cave troll or something like that. Just, you know, take care of yourself. Look happy. Have a smile. Be pleasant. You know, these things are important. And guys, the same thing too. I mean, some guys, they do, they just, it's like they just completely give up on life, you know? My wife likes a beer, but I don't think she just wants it to grow out into this big, nasty, you know, Grizzly Adams type thing. And, uh, you know, they... Have you, have you seen some of these guys? I mean, they, they look like they stink. I mean, they smell so bad, you know, you can see the smell, you know, coming from their body. It's just like, you know, and you wonder why your wife's not attracted to you. I mean, you know, what in the world? You know, it, it's just, it's horrifying. You're something from a horror movie. Don't do that. You know, understand that, you know, you represent each other. Okay. And, we make each we can make each other look good or bad, and in the Bible we see that they would often notice you know being fair to look upon you know especially with the women all right look what it says in Genesis twelve verse ten and there was a famine in the land and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there 
for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to eat into Egypt that he said unto Sarai, his wife, behold, now I know thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass and the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Now, I've always interpreted this a couple different ways. First, of, it's like, you know, you kind of picture him in the Bible days just being out in the wilderness, not seeing that many people, you know. And it's like he goes into Egypt and he's looking at all the women and he's just like, wow, my wife's pretty. <laughs> you know, wow, uh, my wife's fair to look upon. And, all, and he's like, man, these people are going to try to kill me to, to get to my wife. And I, I don't think he actually discovered that she was pretty when he got there in Egypt. But it was clear that, you know, compared to the rest of the women, that she was something to behold. And it was something that actually, you know, to the point it concerned him. And you all know the story about what happened there. It was kind of the same thing that had happened with Isaac and Rebecca. But said it said, I, I don't think, you know, most people, they're, they're not expecting that supermodel and all that stuff. But you know what? You ought to, both of you ought to try to please the other one and how you dress. There's things that I used to wear that my wife's made me quit wearing. You know, it makes me look like a nerd and all that. And she doesn't want to go out in public with me if I'm wearing that. And it's like, you no. Know, so I, I try to, you know, I, I try to please her in some of those things. There's some things she'll never get me to wear. There's some things I'll, you know, I'll never, I'll never do. But, you know, I will allow certain things, you know, and uh, I want to make her happy. There's been times before I told her, you know, that dress is ugly. You know, I, I don't like that outfit, you know, and uh, yeah, I, you can get away with that as long as you occasionally compliment the other outfits, too, you know. But, um, you know, we ought to take those things into consideration. And, so, you know, and, don't, and one, of, one of the things, too, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful tonight, too. You know, I don't want to get out of line or anything like that. But, you know, and we don't have to worry about that as much around here, you know, because we, we actually practice modesty. But it's like these people in the world who don't practice modesty, it's like, you know, I'm sorry, ladies, your husband's got to be embarrassed. You know, you showing what you're trying to show and trying to pretend you're something that you're not, that has got to be embarrassing for your husband. And it's like, you know what? If you are the farthest thing from a supermodel, please don't dress like a supermodel. You are going to humiliate your husband. And then it's like, and, you know, and in the world today, too, you know, it's like you can't say anything about it, too. You know, then otherwise it's World War Three and grounds for divorce. And <laughs> she's going to get the kids and all the money just because she said something about it. And, you know, and that's that's not right. But, you know, we ought to consider these things. We ought to take these things into consideration. Both of you ought to take the other into consideration in whatever you do. Ladies, you know, you hear this. Oh, it's, it's your body thing. You know, that doesn't give you an excuse to just go out tomorrow and go just hack off all your hair and make yourself looking like a lesbian or something like that. You know, you don't do that. Talk to your husband about those things. Don't come home with blue hair tomorrow. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, if you're going to dye your hair something like that, get his permission. Do some of those things. He has to go out in public with you. So you need to think about that. My wife's always talking about, you know, dyeing her hair, you know, because she's getting some gray and all that. And I'm like, fine. You can dye your hair when I can get a toupee and start you know, to cover up my bald spots and things like that. And, and I'm, just, I'm just joking on those things. But, you know, it is. You ought, the wife doesn't have power over her own body and the husband doesn't have power over his own body. And you know what you ought to do? If you're going to do something to physically modify yourself, 
talk to the other one. Alright? Find out what the other one thinks and get their permission. Get their okay. You know why? Because you're one flesh. So it's not just your body. Okay? That's what the feminists say. It's your husband's body. And husband, that's your wife's body. And you ought to take care of that. You ought to respect it. And you ought to respect their opinion and what they have to say. So turn over to Psalms chapter 127. So we see here... The healthy physical relationship is important because it's, it's what we were made for. God made us for it. God made us to want each other. You know, it's enjoyable and it's fulfilling to give in to what you feel like doing with your significant other. You ought to be good at it. You ought to enjoy it. And you ought to try to please the other one with it. And if you do, if you practice this, and this is something else that's really important. This is one of the biggest things that's destroying, I believe, the physical relationship in marriages today. The practice of the physical relationship, it actually, the practice of this sport, okay? When you, all right, you said so you got the guys today, they want to watch sports all the time. You, you accomplish absolutely nothing, okay? Now, if you play a sport, you might accomplish some things. Maybe you'll get in better shape or something like that. You might even win a trophy. You might win a ring. You know, there's some, you know, you might win some money. But you know what? When you're sporting with your wife and when you're enjoying your wife and doing what husbands and wives do, it can get the greatest reward in all the world. And that's children. Look what it says in Psalms 127. You say, how, how is that a reward? It says, lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Well, what did I do to earn this reward? You enjoyed your wife. Hey, you, you did the physical relationship. It says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. So right here, the Bible tells us, hey, this is the fruit of the womb. This is his reward. What did I do to get it? All you did was what you were made to do. And as a result of that, children end up coming. And you know what? The Bible says that makes a man happy. And you know what else? And this, it is, it, women, I don't care what feminists say, women naturally want to have children. It is completely natural. Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1. One of the reasons physical relationships are so bad in marriages, or the reason many marriages are bad is because they have a poor physical relationship. And they have a poor physical relationship because they're trying to avoid having kids. And, but that's, that's not what we were made for. You want to keep your wife happy? Okay, just forget everything that the world's trying to teach you. It says in Genesis chapter 30, verse 1, And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of thy womb? Uh, I didn't get the whole verse in there. So I'm not quoting that. I might not get all that exactly right. But right here we see Rachel. She's like, i got to have children or I'm going to die. Well, why did she feel that way? Because okay, there was just something inside of her as a woman that she wanted to have children and she couldn't have children. And she's nagging her husband. And she's bringing this trust in her husband. You'll give me children. He's like, hey, I'm doing my part. I did what I'm supposed to do. But she, she's upset because she wanted to have children. It was a natural thing. She hadn't been programmed by Hollywood. She hadn't been programmed by feminism. She wasn't on all the meds and things that whack out women and make them all whacked out and mess their hormones all up 
And uh, look at First Samuel chapter one verse eight. We see another woman then said Elkanah uh, to her husband, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post in the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto uh, thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall come no razor upon his head. He, uh, he, uh, I totally, when I pasted those words, I like got the verses all mixed up. But you all know the story. You all right, know, know the story. I don't know what happened right there in my notes. But we see in this story, though, that she's in bitterness of soul. Why? Because she couldn't have a child. There was just something in her. I've got to have a child. Her husband, not that understanding, you know, man, I'm not I better to these than ten sons. All right, he's kind of a typical guy. You know, he was getting the physical relationship, so he was happy. But you know what? She wasn't have. She wasn't getting pregnant. She didn't have any kids, and she's praying. And she's, I mean, she's crying. When she's praying, she's praying so hard. Eli sees her, and he thinks that she's drunk, but she is just a sorrowful spirit because she wanted a child. What made her want that child so bad? I'll tell you what made her want that child so bad. She was a woman. She was a female. And she had that desire to have that baby. And you know what? It's sad today how many women just don't want them. And sometimes sometimes women just, for whatever reason, they can't have them. Sometimes God withholds the fruit of their womb. And it's difficult many times. But today... We've got women on purpose doing all kinds of things. I mean, putting things in their body and doing things in their bodies and having surgeries and taking pills and all these things so they won't have children. And it messes up their, messes up their hormones. And I don't want to be mean, but listen, women, they're a little emotional, aren't they? Okay? Women are a little more emotional than men, aren't they? Now, there's scientific reasons for that. Okay? It's hormonal. And you understand that if you start messing with that stuff, you're playing with fire. Okay? It's going to get dangerous. Okay? I mean, we all, you know, guys know that, you know, there's just times when you got to watch it. All right? And why is that? You know, women are hormonal. Okay? It's part of the challenge, right? That's part of the sport. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, knowing, knowing when to act and when not to act. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of the game. All right? It's all part of the game. It's not fun sometimes, but it's worth it, alright? It's worth it. And, but, when, when you start messing with that stuff, you know, instead of just figuring out how to deal with it and how to act and all that, uh, it gets dangerous. And women get crazy sometimes. There's a lot of crazy women out there, okay? Where does that come from? It comes from the pharmacies, is where it comes from. Comes from all these things they're taking. This is not natural. It is not normal. And most of these things that they're taking that's making them crazy is stuff to keep them from having children. And with, with women, so their nature is already very delicate. They are the weaker vessel. It's something that you, 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 you gotta watch. And if you're gonna go and you're gonna start taking them away from their nature, be prepared 
for something monstrous to take place, all right? I mean, we've all seen the movies. When they start messing with nature and genetically manipulating things, stuff always happens, doesn't it? All right? And people are experiencing that all the time. When they start messing with nature with women, it creates monsters. And I'm sorry, that might sound mean, but I don't know how else to say it. And it's just, it's just reality. There's a lot of crazy out there. And I believe a lot of it has to do with these pills and things that women are taking, uh, wanting to, to avoid children. And that's, that's just not normal. It, it, is, it is unnatural for women to not want to have children. And this comes from feminism. They're being lied to. They're being deceived. You know, it's giving into social pressures. You know, it's like, you know, in society, you know, you're looked down on a lot of times if you have a big family. You know, like it's such a terrible, you know, it's such a terrible thing. But I do, I believe the medication, though, is the biggest thing. I think, you know, if you, if you don't want to have those kids, yeah, don't have those kids. But you know what? It's going to do something to you. It's going to, you go ahead and take those pills that's going to keep you from having those children. And then guess what's going to happen? Now you're going to start having other side effects where you're going to have to take another medication. Except before you are, you know, you are just this mutated monster that no man wants to live with. So watch that stuff, all right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know how it all works. But you know what? I've seen a lot of crazy in my life. And one thing they, a lot of, they all have in common is they're all taking a lot of stuff. And you better, you better watch that stuff and be very careful. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 15. But that healthy physical relationship, it is something that needs to be constantly maintained. It says in 1 Corinthians 6.15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. We've got to run from that. We've got to flee fornication. How are we gonna, how, how do we run from that? Okay? Guys can't help it that they desire women. They can't help it. They were made to desire women. But God said to flee fornication, and the way we flee fornication, the way we uh, succeed in not giving in to that temptation, the way we fulfill that desire, the way, we, the way to run from fornication is to run to marriage. In 1 Corinthians 7, 1, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Guys want to. Okay? He's saying it's good for a man not to do that. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So we see here, the way you avoid fornication is you get a wife, all right? Well, after we have a wife, we've got a command to never commit adultery, don't we? And we see here in this passage that, you know, that physical relationship, that is what will stop us from committing the sin of fornication. And then if we're going to keep ourselves from committing adultery, we have to maintain the physical relationship. And it says here 
that even if it comes down to things like fasting and prayer, you know, defraud, he says, defraud not one another, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves prayer and fasting. You get each other's permission. Okay? If the husband decides, you know what, I'm going to have this time of fasting and prayer and just focusing on the Lord and not having a physical relationship. If I decide that I want to do that, I need my wife's permission. And she needs my permission. So accept it be with consent for a time. And then that way we can come together again. Why do we want to come together again? So Satan won't tempt you for your incontinency. If we do not maintain that, temptation is eventually going to come. And maintaining that physical relationship, and it's going, it'll, it'll keep us under control. Because that, so there, there's desires that are there that are, you know, we can't help. They are. It's, it's the way we were made. And so God made a way for those things to be fulfilled. And it's for a husband and wife to enjoy each other. And I'm telling you, it's a wicked thing when husbands and wives, they're not doing their due benevolence. When they are withholding themselves from each other. You know, when they're at, you have a fight or you're, you don't get your way and then you're going to withhold yourself from the other one. That's a wicked thing right there. And all you're doing is putting them in temptation. You're opening them up to, for temptation. And that is not, that is not right. That is not, that is a wicked thing to do. And a husband should never do that to the wife. The wife should never do that to the husband. You need to understand that you belong to each other. That it is not your own body. It, you belong to each other. And you both need to give the other one what they want. That is what God intended. And a healthy physical relationship is nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually a great accomplishment in this messed up, perverted world that we have. You better say that's why you better watch it with your kids and your your young boys. You better make sure that they're not watching the junk and the filth and the perversion on television. You better stay away from that pornography and the stuff out there that'll warp your mind and it'll mess your mind up and it's going to give you unrealistic expe- you know uh, expectations. You got to stay away from that stuff if you're going to have that healthy relationship. I mean, God God made us the way He did for a reason. God wanted marriage to be for life. And he put something in us so we would have a constant need for each other. And when we get away from that, we put each other at risk. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers. God will judge. You all see that? What the husband and wife do when they're enjoying each other, it's honorable. It's fine. There is no sin. And that, but he says, whoremongers, adulterers, God will judge. Those who go to try to find that fulfillment with a harlot, with somebody that they're not married to, or when somebody is married, goes and they try to find that fulfillment with somebody that is not their spouse. The Bible says God will judge them. Think about it. God will judge them for doing the same thing that a husband and wife does with each other. Why? Because God did not make that for just us to do with it, just anybody. God made that specifically for the husband and the wife. And anything outside of that is wickedness. Anything outside of that is a sin. It's a sin against your own body. And I'm afraid today that I, I, I personally believe that the secret to a happy marriage is a healthy physical relationship. I really do. 
I know that's not all, all there is to it, but you've got a lot of people today that just, they've just given up on each other. They just, they don't care. They, they don't have anything going on there and they wonder why they're always at each other's throats. They wonder why there's, there's so much tension. They wonder why there's all these problems. You need each other. And you've got to make sure that you, uh, that you maintain that in your life. If you don't, you're opening yourselves up for a lot of trouble. And so this isn't, you know, this isn't one of these comfortable things. I, I, I fully intend to not preach on this again for a really long time. Uh, but I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about this because I believe people need to hear it. I, I'm, it's sad the state of marriages today. It's sad how they're just, they're not, people aren't staying together. You know, the adultery that goes on, it, it, it's, it, it's sad. And I, I know a lot of the problems in these cases is because people are not doing the due benevolence that they're supposed to be doing like the Bible teaches. They're, uh, you know, getting away from just God's plan. And I personally believe too that, that a lot of these, you know, pills and things that people are doing, all these things people are doing to avoid children is one of the biggest problems. And you just need to learn that society has no clue what they're talking about when it comes to happiness. They have no they have no clue. They don't know. You know why they look at people with they have six kids like we do and think what's wrong with you? Because they don't know how to control their one or two kids. You know, and you know why they can't control their one or two kids? Because they're listening to society and how they should raise those kids. So they see six kids and they're thinking three times the trouble. Because you know, but at the same time, no. Our kids don't behave like your kids because we practice, you know, biblical method of punishment that you all are told that you shouldn't do. You know, the reason our kids actually are behaved is because we haven't fallen for this lie that women need to go out there and have their careers and do their thing. No, we believe women ought to be keepers of the home. And, you know, the reason our kids are well behaved, we believe that, you know, the parents ought to train their kids and teach their kids. We're not sending them to public schools where they're getting indoctrinated with all this junk and have surrounded by people with absolutely no discipline. You know, when you do things God's way, it's so much better. It works great. You will be happy. And you know what? I've never been rich. We've been, we've been poor since we've been married. Our theme song since we have been married is Yes, We Have No Money, We Have No Money Again. Tune of Yes, We Have No Bananas. We've been singing that song since we got married. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's been our life. But let me tell you something. We've had six kids. We've somehow managed to pay our bills. We live in a nice house. We drive vehicles that work. We have fun. We, somehow we're doing the stuff that most people want to do and can't seem to do. And we don't have bill collectors calling us and, uh, you know, we're, we're eating, we're not starving to death. I mean, somehow we're managing to do the things that the rest of the world sacrifices their children to do. We're, we're still doing them. And I've just come to the conclusion that when it comes to finances, when it comes to families, when it comes to a physical relationship and everything, that our world hasn't got a clue what they're talking about. And the Bible knows exactly what it's talking about. It's God's Word. God made us to want each other. God made women to want to have children. God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. And if we will just do what God told us to do and stop messing with nature, we're going to find out that that woman that you're married to 
is this wonderful, beautiful creature and not some psycho mutated monster. Like a lot of them are today. Let's just stick with nature and you will be happy. So with that, let's close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for showing us what we need to do to have a happy marriage. And I pray you'll help us to practice these things. Lord, I know these things aren't comfortable to talk about, but Lord, it's all over in your word. I didn't even cover all the scriptures that, that deal with these things. But God, I pray you'll help us as, as uh, your children, Lord, to practice these things, to set the example for the world. Help us to just get the garbage out of our minds as being crammed down our throats by television and the news media. And I just pray that, uh, that uh, you'll help us to have those happy marriages and that you'll help us to just carry on and uh, do things uh, the way you intended, the way we were created to do them. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.